Hello, friend. Welcome to the Happy Family Club. We're delighted to have you join us. Our mission is to help you have a happier, stronger family. We do that by bringing you the world's greatest experts in family, marriage, parenting, and relationships. We interview them to discover their secrets, their strategies, their techniques, and bring them to you so that you can cherry pick exactly what you need right now to have more success and more joy in your family. And if you enjoyed this interview, we encourage you to share it with your friends and your family and come on to the happyfamilyclub.com and see if you can find more information that's going to help you and your family be happier. Again, thanks so much for joining us. Enjoy the interview. Hello, everybody. Welcome again to the Happy Family Club podcast. We are so honored and delighted to have Dr. Scott Taransky here with us today. And uh, actually, I'm going to let Margie tell a little bit sure. of, about you, yeah. uh, Scott. And actually, I forgot to ask you if you go by Dr. Scott, Dr. Taransky, Scott, uh, <laughs> Grandpa. I think you go by all those all at some those. point, right? I do. People, Scott is fine uh, most of the time when I'm working with families professionally. Sometimes I like the kids to say Dr. Scott. But other than that, it's whatever works. Beautiful. Okay, that good. So why don't you go ahead and introduce okay, well, our good buddy, yes, Dr. Scott. Dr. Scott. <laughs> he is a great man. We've had a wonderful time getting to know him. He's a husband, a father, a pastor, a parenting expert. Professor. Don't professor. Forget professor. He's a professor. Yeah. Yes. And uh, author. He, author actually, yeah. his wife is an author, too. He and his wife, Carrie, are the parents of five children and 11 grandchildren. That's Super amazing. Cool. He graduated from Portland State University, obviously in Oregon there, with a BA in speech communication. And then he got two masters uh, from Western Seminary, where one was in divinity and the other in theology. Is that right, Scott? Yeah, yeah okay. Yeah. And I love <laughs> and, this part, can I mention this? Yeah, I love this. If, if I remember reading right, you, you took all the Bible classes twice, and then you took some 30 plus hours in Hebrew or Greek and then 30 plus hours in the other one. So you could study the Bible in original languages, right? That's right. I knew where I was going. I knew I was going to be a pastor and I felt like taking those Bible courses from additional teachers would be helpful. And then studying the languages would be important for the depth I needed to preach the sermons and do the yeah. research in God's word that I needed to do. Oh, and what I love about that, and so of course we'll get into this more in a minute. I'll let you finish your introduction. But what I love about that is that also gave you such an incredible adept that you're using now with parents and helping them with their children, right? Because you are so immersed in God's word and so have such a great understanding of what God has taught and what Christ has taught. It's just amazing. So anyway, <laughs> keep going. It, it finish up. There's more accolades to put on Dr. Skyer. So yes. keep going, okay. babe. Well, he also earned a doctorate of ministry in organizational management and strategic planning. Is that right? That's correct. Yeah. Theological Seminary. That's amazing. Um, doctor of ministry there. And he's the co-founder of Biblical Parenting and the podcast that we all love called Parenting is Heart Work. Yeah. So we're very excited to, to chat with you today and find out your insights into happier families. <laughs> Thank you, Margie. It's good to be with you folks. It Thank is good. On, on an interesting note, I uh, lived in the Netherlands as a missionary for a couple of years, and I know your co-host is Dutch on that uh, podcast. That's right. She's Elena Svetsvot. She's from the yep. Netherlands, and so we get together by, uh, I think it's Zoom every week and yeah. every other week and record the podcasts that come out on the Parenting's Heartwork podcast. 
Well, I'd love to meet her some point and uh, swap yeah. stories about the Netherlands. Love <laughs> that country and those people. It's amazing. So great. So, um, I, you know, we have a, a burning question that we'd like to ask. Any of your experience and background, I think the one other thing that we didn't mention is, is that you also do parenting coaching and have the opportunity to work with not only in your ministry and your church, but also one-on-one -on -one with parents. So you really have been embedded into... I don't know if we call it the the battlefield of you know creating successful families because there is a bit of a, a war going on out there for, against families, and you're right in the heart of helping parents and children have great tools and resources. So we're going to dig into some of that, and, we, and I'd really like to ask the question in just a minute about what you see as a key principle to create greater family happiness. And before we do that, though, I'd love to dive into some of your backstory because um, I did read you know, a little bit about how you started your ministry with your dad in Hawaii. Um, and then you now have created an incredibly successful online platform with uh, biblical parenting. And you've got a number of books. So tell us a little bit about how you came to where you're at right now and some of the backstory. What led you to this incredible ministry? I've had a, a real interest in parenting for a long time. I grew up in a Christian home. My parents did a good job in what they were doing. They passed the faith on to me and my siblings and and uh, just enjoyed uh, the benefits of being part of the church. My father encouraged me in the church in so many ways so that when I graduated from seminary, I went and pastored the church with my dad. Wow. felt like that was uh, a privilege and learned a lot from him. And in those first eight years of ministry while I was with my dad, uh, I started doing parenting seminars to the community. I, my son was only one year old, but I got <laughs> together with the local pediatrician and the Christian psychologist in our community. And we offered this seminar from three different experts in, uh, in the community. And we had this great attendance. People were really interested in it. So then I moved away from Hawaii. That's where my first church was yeah. to, to New Jersey. And I started in another church and right away I met Joanne Miller, who's a pediatric nurse. And again, I wanted this multi-dimensional uh, presentation of parenting, not just one person. So Joanne worked with me. She actually attended some initial parenting groups offered to the community. She was given feedback and information. I think you could add this. I said, well, why don't you do some teaching in the next right. one? <laughs> and, and over time, then she and I have authored 15 books on parenting, and we've taught uh, numerous seminars all across the United States, speaking at conferences and so on. So her uh, involvement has been uh, just a treasure because she brings the perspective of a mom, mm -hmm. perspective of a of a, uh, a pediatric nurse, and all of that just broadens the whole depth of our ministry. So I really appreciate her. And then we've been teaching and writing ever since. So that's the National Center for Biblical Parenting. And then sometime, well, it must have been about 10 years ago, Concordia came to me and said, hey, would you take your books, put them into a class, and we'll um, run your class. And so I said, yeah, okay, I'll take four of the books. We use them as textbooks. And so out of that, then I teach at the university. And I've taken that material, not only use it at the university, but I teach it through the National Center for Biblical Parenting mm -hmm. to allow other people to become coaches. And I've trained over 500 coaches now wow. individually with parents, one-on-one -on -one 
creating individualized, personalized programs for parents. And that's going very well. Very excited about that. In fact, my work at Concordia is expanding out of the out of the university. They've chosen 10 courses to offer in China. And one of those courses is my course. So uh, I, I require mm -hmm. every person who goes through my course, either at Concordia or through the National Center for Biblical Parenting, work with a parent while I am uh, teaching them. So it's very practical. I want them to see sure. God's grace pass through them to another family, and they're just pumped. I'm training some right now, and they just all the things that are coming through, people are going, wow, this is so great. we got to get the word out. <laughs> Oh, <laughs> what a what an incredible miracle it's like the hand of the lord is reaching out allowing you to push that into so many areas including china, china which is yes. just incredible uh, outreach and incredible impact it is really special for us to be in china and every time i train i've got people from all kinds of countries around the world so right now i've got someone from uh singapore and another person from nigeria in mm -hmm. the training but I've trained people from all number of places in Africa and, and uh, Southeast Asia and South America and, of course, uh, Canada and Mexico and yeah. Europe. So uh, I've got a, a lot of trainers or counselors or coaches that can work with families. And it's just growing. And I'm very excited about that. That's amazing. Well, I, I don't know what the intake process there is, but uh, I would imagine that there are some of our listeners that might be able, wow, I can get trained by this guy and figure <laughs> out how to coach. So uh, maybe later we can talk about how to direct them into some of your programs because sure. we need more people who are in the homes, coaching, helping, parenting. And I, and I think especially since a lot of parents, um, you know, I grew up in a, I grew up in a, in a rather interesting environment. Margie grew up in what you would consider an ideal home. <laughs> <laughs> and and so Margie's taught me, well, between God and Margie, that's how I've learned how to parent, right? <laughs> so, and our 11 children. <laughs> yeah. So what a blessing. It, it is a great blessing. So what, uh, I just am curious, sort of even stepping further back, what was the original kernel that, that caused you to be so passionate about parenting? I mean, I, I love the works that you've done, but what's your kind of driving why behind that? When I was in my first church, I'm studying God's word. I'm seeing principles that apply to the family. And during those eight years where I was working with my dad in Hawaii, I also directed the preschool that was there. And yeah. I saw the need that parents have. And I saw how we were doing things in the preschool in some ways, and they were not carrying uh, the same message home. Yeah. And so if we could train the parents, we yeah. could do some valuable things. And then over time, then that grew into this passion that parents are the best counselors for their children. They are the best trainers for their children if they have a good plan. So my goal is to empower parents. I believe that parents are the best trainers. And many parents call our office and they say things like, my son's been in counseling for a year. He's 10 years old with anger issues, or my daughter's been in play therapy. She's six years old dealing with her issues. And, and my question's always the same. Well, so what have you learned here? And, and I get a continual responses. <laughs> I don't I don't know, first of all, because it's in private. And secondly, right. I don't know that we're making that much progress. And then they get into our program. And within a couple of weeks, they're already seeing these changes. and They can't believe what's happening. So um, it's just this real passion that we have to train parents and empower them because that's who uh, will bless the children. Our end users are children. We work yeah. with parents to bless those. To bless bless those oh. And it's so true. I mean, God obviously would not have created the family structure the way that it is if parents 
were not ordained and designed to be those primary counselors and that influence force. That's right. And I and I love how you have uh, you know so accurately identified that and then empowered those parents. So it's just a, it's really cool, really amazing. Thank you. Well, well, thank you for that passion yes. and thank you for doing that work. And it sounds like just thousands of parents around the world have so been blessed from it. And and as you said, the end user is the child. Right? The children, yes. <laughs> those children have been children. impacted. <laughs> so let's talk for just a minute about what what you see is a key. For, I mean, I'm sure you could probably share a lot of stuff, but I'd love to focus in on what you see as a key principle to greater family happiness. And see, then we'll I talk about some practical stuff. Okay, so I think that parents, as they're working with children, must take on this attitude of discipleship with their kids. They're moving children from what we would say is uh, from point A to point B. Yeah. This child, just like God works with us, yeah. you know, he, mo he moves us in the sanctification process from point A to point B. We need to have the same attitude with our children to move them from point A to point B. That means these children are going to grow in character and uh, spiritual uh, development. They're going to develop some greater ability to relate to themselves emotionally, but also mm -hmm. to deal with other people. It's so strategic. If parents have that mentality, then they can increase closeness, which is often their goal, reduce yeah. tension, which is often the problem in the home, and they focus on raising these disciples uh, for Christ. And so I think that happiness is elusive, and uh, sometimes parents believe that uh, pleasure is the goal of ch childhood. And so let's give our kids all kinds of things. Let's help them to be happy, uh, and that's going to contribute to their self-esteem. But unfortunately, if we overemphasize pleasure in a child's life, then they have a hard time handling disappointment because they just don't get what they want. And disappointment is, is a pervasive problem. Uh, <laughs> kids don't know how to handle the disappointments of life. If we have a different mentality, this training mentality with children, then pleasure becomes a byproduct of a mission-oriented view of life. That is the best way to view pleasure. It's, it is a byproduct, but it can't be the goal of any of our lives Otherwise, we find ourselves addicted. So here's what happens. If you emphasize pleasure over and over again, the end result is addiction. I want more video games. I want more food. I want more money or whatever it is because that's bringing me happiness. We've got to change the mentality, get our, our whole hearts focused on the Lord, following him, doing what's right, and pleasure is a byproduct. Yeah. So I agree. Margie and I wow. agree with 100%. I'm not sure we've ever articulated it quite like that. We, we've we talked before about, you know, oftentimes we see in youth organizations and church organizations that we try to compete with the world and just entertain, just raw entertainment. Like, let's make this super fun activity. And, and not that there's anything bad with that, but Margie's always said, let's give them something they can't get anywhere else. You know, let's give them the spirit. Let's give them closeness to God. Let's get them centered on Christ. Mm -hmm. And that will produce the joy they're looking for, but it'll produce in a way that doesn't create, you know, pain and deficits and problems. And that's exact, I think that's exactly what you're saying. It's awesome. It is. You're right. So how do you, how have you gone about, I mean, again, you've got multiple books on this, but I'd love to pin down two or three very practical ways that we can get that shift away from the entertainment, away from the pleasure and into that, you know, heart-centered, Christ-centered experience so that they're actually mission-focused and not entertainment-focused. What, what are some practical things parents can do to, to make that shift? In our book, Parenting is Heart Work. Mm -hmm. That's not hard work, heart work. Hard work. Mm -hmm. Heart work. Then uh, in that book, we talk about what the heart is. Now, that book's being used in three seminaries now. 
because it's a, a biblical study of the heart, 750 times the word heart is used, and it gives parents practical ideas of how to apply that. So I take my theological studies, and this is what we do with all of our books. We do the research first. What does it mean? to follow uh, this particular idea through the scriptures, and then we look for practical ways to apply that. So Parenting's Heart Work is a strategic book to help parents understand what that looks like. Now, as we were doing this study of 750 times where heart is used in the Bible, we put together Parenting's Heart Work. We had this whole group of verses left over that had to do with the conscience. So we created Parenting's Heart Work too, but we couldn't name it that. We called it motivate your child which is about building internal motivation inside of a child so though that pair of books are strategic motivate your child's about building internal motivation which comes from the heart and it really counters this problem that many parents have and that is they use reward punishment to move children along in their lives if we use behavior modification or the reward punishment model to bring about change then what we're saying to a child is, I'll give you what you want if you do what I say. We're appealing yeah. to the selfishness in a child, and in the end result is that children ask the wrong questions in life. They start asking the question, what's the minimum I need to do to get my reward? Or are you gonna pay me for that? Mm. Yeah. So those questions that children grow up with lead to an attitude of entitlement or victim mentality. We've gotta focus on the heart, and so moving our children in that direction helps them greatly. Mm. Incredible. Love it. So, what, what, Margie, Margie is a master at at least an aspect of this. Years ago, she started, instead of having Christmas lists of what the children wanted, she started helping them to see, okay, what are you going to give and how are you going to serve people at this time in order to honor Christ? And so they went from this attitude of, oh, what am I, what am I going to get and what am I going to benefit? What Instead, <laughs> how am I going to serve and give and lift other people? And the impact has been unbelievable on our family, Scott. So I, I just say that because what you're talking about here is, you know, we're proof in the pudding and it's confirmation about what it is. That's great. I so, uh, that is such a valuable concept because children do focus on themselves. God has a concept he calls honor. Yeah, uh, and and so as we studied honor in the Bible, then we came up with a book about that. But the book's called "Say Goodbye to Whining, Complaining, and Bad Attitudes right. in You and Your Kids." The idea here is that for every form of selfishness, there's an honor-based solution. So as you as you implement this kind of an idea with families that children need to get out of their selfish mentality into this sense of giving and supporting and contributing to life, great things happen. And so, yeah, I love that that concept of what you're doing about Christmas time. So let's uh, let's talk for just a minute. And um, you talked about you know this motivation needs to be this internal, you know, process and this heart focused process. So so let's talk about a scenario here that I see all the time, and that is, you know, a parent will come to Margie and I, and they'll say, "Oh, my kid's got to get up for school, for seminary, for church, for fill in the blank, whatever it is that they, that they're supposed to quote unquote be doing." And, and I got to go in and I got to wake them up five times and I got to drag them into the kitchen. And I got to remember their books and then I got to drive on a thing. And, and I'm just slogging this kid all the way around. Like, what do I do? So give us some insight on, on a, like a device for a parent like that to shift that child. Cause that child obviously is functioning under an external punishment compulsion environment that the parent has set up. No, no judgment or disrespect to the parent, right? Some, most of the time they've done it totally unknowingly. They didn't know anything. So, so your advice or insights on getting them to shift from, you know, moving that child from that external compulsion environment to that internal motivation environment. 
All right. So let's just take this into adulthood just for a moment, because there's a lot of adults who wait till the pressure builds up, the external pressure. <laughs> we call it procrastination. They wait till the till the the late fee is about to happen or yeah. they're going to get penalized. And so we're yeah. going to try to solve this problem when children are a lot younger so that <laughs> they don't have the same problem as adults. Uh, so, yes, in that book, Motivate Your Child, we're really talking about the conscience and strengthening the conscience. So we're used 30 times in the New Testament, but the concept is taught throughout the Bible. Yeah. Let's just take the one aspect of the conscience, and that is a sense of obligation. Hmm. It, when parents teach children and train them with a sense of obligation, then children start saying to themselves or the conscience is prompting them, I need to. I need to turn off the light before I leave the bathroom. I need to help clear the table when I leave the kitchen. I need to uh, keep my hands to myself. You know, the sense of obligation is so powerful. We use it when we're dealing with children with ADHD because a sense of obligation helps them deal with the impulses that they have uh, many times or to focus on what they're doing. Obligation is strategic, and that is an internal motivation inside of the heart. So yeah. we build that through training children with a sense of obligation is going to be a key element here in order to prompt them internally. Now, the, just let me amplify this a little bit on a theoretical level. Remember, yeah. every person has a heart. Yeah. And the heart, the Bible says, is uh, desperately wicked above all things. It has this tendency to go astray. <laughs> but God has placed two things within the human heart that keep it going in the right direction. One of those things is the conscience, yeah. the sense of duty or the sense of guilt, or whatever it is that happens inside the conscience is really powerful in the life of a child to keep them going in the right direction. The other one is the Holy Spirit. When the yeah. Holy Spirit is present inside of a child's life, he's speaking, and he's directing traffic, and he's saying, I don't think you should do that, or he's informing <laughs> us and saying, good job, and so we have this internal motivation. So our goal in that particular book is to take the conscience and understand it, and uh, spiritual development, and know how to develop that in a child in order to build internal motivation so children can see what needs to be done and do it without being asked. So children can do the right thing without having to be monitored every moment. Now, that takes training, and so we're going to yeah. help children in some strategic ways to be trained to do that. But we have to understand the, the mentality behind it, that there's this heart that exists and children need to be able to recognize what's going on inside the heart. And that'll build this internal motivation for them. I love it. And, and what you're saying is so powerful. And I love that. Yes, we do have, it's an interesting thing being a human being. Cause you know, there's this one part of us that's like, let's go over here and just be wild and crazy. And then there's this other part, this this piece of us and the Holy Spirit is saying, oh, actually, if you really want to be happy, let's go over here and do this. You know, and, and 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 you see this sometimes in children. But what I have experienced is, especially younger children, they have such an intense, our experience has been, they have such an intense desire to want to do good and to want to please mom and dad. And they, there's this connection there. And, and, and I think that the desire to please mom and dad really is an extension of a desire to want to please Heavenly Father. You know, we just want to, we want to look to what's good and we want to feel that. So um, I'm interested to hear your insights on how to help children. And and maybe let's even push that up a little further and go to a teenager who, well, we're just starting this process and they're a little on the wayward side or a little, you know, maybe they've drifted over here to this other side a little bit. And how to get them to better understand how to listen to that Holy Spirit, you know, some call it the still small voice, that that guiding traffic 
and then to discipline themselves to respond to it. What's been your experience on helping kids to do that? All right, so let's get practical. I, I've yeah. shared with you some theory about internal motivation. Yeah. But let me give you a very specific one, very specific practical tool you can use with teens or even younger children. Got we it. call it the three C's, Q, mm -hmm. conscience, and character. Those are the three C's. Q's, well, let's ask the question. You get up in the morning as a parent and you say to your child, uh, get off the iPad, you need to go and make your bed. And so he makes his bed and he gets back on the iPad. And you say, you need to go and uh, get dressed. And he gets back on the iPad after he gets dressed. And he, you know, he's, he's obeying, he's doing what you're telling him to do, but right. he's not staying on track himself. He doesn't have this sense of obligation. So yeah. one of the things that we do is we decide what are the cues? I mean, parents have cues. They're trying to be responsible here. And yeah. so their cues are the to-do list and the clock. Well, let's transfer the cues to the child. This mm. is gonna take some training. But even young children can learn cues. A, a three-year-old who's done playing with toys can learn to put the toys away. The cue is what? I'm done with this toy, I'm gonna to play something else. Oh, you're done with the toy? And so we don't say now clean up the toys. We say, oh, you're done with that toy? We're drawing yeah. attention to the cue. Or, oh, you're leaving the bathroom. And so the cue is I'm leaving the bathroom. So the child will, oh yeah, I'm leaving the bathroom. I need to make sure the toilet's flush and the, and the light's turned off. Right. Or, with the teenager to uh, say, oh, you're leaving the um, the table, you know, or, or we're just helping them understand the cues. Mm -hmm. If we help kids understand the cues, then that's gonna be the first step in obligation. But that mm -hmm. takes training now. So parents uh, parent differently now, instead of saying in the morning, um, you know, get your backpack, get your teeth brushed, get your, instead of doing all of those things, now the parent is saying, uh, bring me your list, report back, Look at the time. And so the parent now is having the child focus on the cues in order to move them to the next step. This next step is the conscience. And this is what we're talking about in this book, Motivate Your Child, Internal Motivation. Yeah. So the conscience is this uh, internal thing inside of our hearts that right and wrong, and it needs to be trained. What is the right way to leave the bathroom in your house? What is the right way to leave the table in your home? What is the right way to handle sibling conflict in the home. So though that takes training. So now we've got cues that trigger the right way. And then as children practice this, and of course each one of these steps require training, but we guide our training in a way that's touching children on a deeper level, not just with behavior or rewards. Now we're building the character that's needed in the child's life, the character qualities of diligence, work, mm -hmm. knowing how to work hard, the character quality of perseverance, knowing how to um, persevere or hang in there even after I feel like quitting. The right. quality of thoroughness, which is attention to detail. By the way, those are the three qualities we're using with children with ADHD. We're trying to help them focus. Those Amazing. are the same three qualities we use with piano practicing uh -huh. that you're not going to be a great musician maybe someday, but that's not what we're working on. We're working on character development. And yeah. those are just three of many qualities that we're trying to target. Hey there, it's Margie. We hope you're enjoying this podcast. Yeah, I hope you know that you can go to thehappyfamilyclub.com and see many other interviews and get a whole bunch of other resources, materials, free things, paid things, all kinds of stuff. There's an entire membership there where you get exclusive access to all of our best tools and resources. Our mission is to bring you the world's best resources 
and insights from the world's best experts so that you can have a happier family and have more joy. So go check it out, thehappyfamilyclub.com. Now, let's get back to the interview. So you've got the Q, the conscience, and the character. Those three C's are just a technique now. Remember, tie it back to the heart. Tie it back to this biblical parenting uh, that that we're trying to look at here. And that one technique of many techniques, that just one technique will guide children in a positive direction. Awesome. So amazing. You know, and what I love about it is, is that, um, again, I'm just thinking about our experience in raising our children and and in helping other parents and you're you you god has blessed you with an amazing brain to articulate and to quantify and to systematize so many of this it's just beautiful and so i i'm trying to think well gosh what did we do there and you know one of the things that i have loved is is um margie has always said well you know you you have this choice and you know it's a or b and it's your life right so i don't you know, i don't i'm not going to live your life for you we've we lived in a lot of rental homes because uh, we've moved around a bunch through our married life. <laughs> uh, I got a bit of a moving bug. And so we rent a lot of homes and landlords will often say to us so like, yeah, well, you know, renters typically trash the place because they don't feel any ownership. <laughs> and, and we've talked with our children and said, even if we don't have ownership, we live here. <laughs> like, like, like we, we live with the consequences. If we leave a big mess or spill something on the carpet or put a hole in the wall or whatever, like we have to live with those consequences. And do you want to live like that? No. Okay. Then we're going to take care of this place. Like it's ours. Mm -hmm. Good. Yeah. And, and, um, and, and what I hear you saying in some of this is like these three C's and I'm sort of rephrasing here, but these three C's bring this down to where we help them to have internal drive, internal conscious, a sense of duty. I need to, and take ownership for their own life and their own salvation. So that's true. In Acts 23, 1, we have one of the uses of the term conscience by Paul. He says, I have fulfilled my duty before God in all good conscience to this day. So he's using the word conscience and he's describing it as a sense of duty, the sense of yeah. obligation. That's yeah. what we're saying here. We want our children to embrace that. Now, the principle you're talking about is this principle of transferring responsibility to children. And, oh, yeah. And uh, it's just such a crucial principle. We have seven tools we use in our biblical parenting coaching program in order to uh, help children to grow. These seven principles are ones that in our study of God as our father, we see how God takes us from point A to point B in yes. our lives using sanctification. And one of those principles is transferring responsibility. Children yeah. are very quick to offload responsibility. It's not my fault. Blame it on this person. <laughs> and and yep. justify. And so what we're saying is we, we have to help children take responsibility for their actions. That's what God does with us. Mm -hmm. He says, Joshua says to the people, choose this day whom you're going to serve but for us we're going to serve the lord yeah and this sense of transferring responsibility to children in all aspects of their responsibility that helps them then to be empowered children who are victims say i can't change because it's everybody else's fault that i'm this way if everybody else would change i'd be fine and so they're powerless but when we empower them with this concept that you're teaching your kids of transferring responsibility now we have empowered them with the ability to make changes Take responsibility for yourself, and you have also the ability to make changes in your world. It's just a yeah. concept our children need to understand. Uh, that's incredible. Um, 
Well, and as you train them up in the way they should go when they're old, they're not going, you know, the classic Proverbs 22, they're not going to depart from it. They're going to continue with that character and the, the responsibility that you've ingrained in them as, yeah. as their young children. So one of the things, and I, and I'm keeping a sharp eye on time here because I, because I got a million questions I could ask you, but we probably don't have time for a million questions. So <laughs> let, let me pick and choose a couple here. Um, one of the things that's been interesting to us as parents and especially with our large family what we've noticed is the incredible diversity and range of personalities and thought processes and approaches and character that our children come to us with it's like <laughs> like wow well that's i mean yes there are some family traits there but gosh that is a totally unique human being <laughs> um, and just when we figured out parenting with the first one the second one came Very along well, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then and then the next one came the next one came um i seem to recall you um doing some uh teaching and training on this idea about individuality and the uniqueness of each child and and I wonder if you could speak to that for just a moment, because I think that anytime, for, first of all, a lot of times parents step into parenting, I think, with an idea of like, well, I know myself and I've kind of gotten to know my spouse. And so this child, like, I'm going to have a sense of how to interact with them. And then all of a sudden the child turns out to be like this totally unique, different. different human being. And then they're like, oh boy, well, now what do I do? <laughs> or maybe they came from a family of all girls and they get boys yeah. or vice versa, right? So what are your what are your insights on how a parent can really see the child as an individual and not just as a you know like, like as a um you know they're they're the caretaker of this this child and they just have to get them off to school and be done with it you know and I'm not sure how to dig it but a lot of times we do, we see parents not quite sure how to grip how to get a grip on because it's one more thing is I I hear parents say all the time like. I raised them all the same, but look like, why did this one turn out that way? And this one turn out that way. And my thought is always, well, because you raised you them all the same. You them. <laughs> so can you talk a little bit about that individuality for each child and how parents can address that? Yes. Yes. So let me first say that uh, sometimes children don't turn out as well as we'd like, and we can't blame it all on the parents. Exactly. Children often, uh, I mean, children all make their own choices. And so yeah. we have to have a lot of grace in parenting. There's a, yeah. the people who know the most about parenting are the ones who don't have any kids. So <laughs> we really need to uh, be careful and humble yeah. <laughs> about looking at another family. If you have an easy child, it's very tempting to say, I got this thing down. Why can't you all, the rest of you get this down? And yeah. uh, so but let me say this. Every child has a heart. And, yeah. and the heart is this complex place that's hard to understand. In fact, the Bible talks about it as being a deep waters, but a man of understanding draws it out. So we really have to study our child. Mm -hmm. And one of the tools that we offer at the National Center for Biblical Parenting is an assessment tool where you can assess the heart of a child. You can The heart really is are these tendencies, these patterns that children have. That's how Jesus taught us about the heart. He says it's out of the heart that the mouth speaks. He says the heart is like this trunk of the tree and the behavior is the fruit of the tree. Yeah. So if you want to understand the heart, then you're going to have to do a little bit of digging. And you can tell sometimes by the fruit what's going on inside of the heart of a child. Uh, so we measure 10 different areas in a child's life. It's called the Child Behavior Inventory. It's free. Anybody can go to our website. They answer these questions. It's an Excel spreadsheet. It automatically scores it on a graph. And we see then what challenges or unique things about this child that need to be addressed. So 
uh, when we come to sibling conflict, for example, it's very important that parents mm. treat children as individuals, not as a herd. And yeah. so you've got two children or 10 children or whatever you've got, then it's tempting to say kids all come to dinner. When, and I say, look, if you're having problem with competition and comparison in your home, then you're going to want to break that down. Some parents say, well, if I buy shoes for Jimmy, I better buy shoes for Susie so I can be fair. This idea of fairness means equal is a lie. And it's what causes anger in a lot of children because the children point at their sibling and say, well, look what he got or look what she got. And uh, I should be able to do more than that or I should be able to have this. That competition and comparison is dangerous. That's not, God doesn't treat us all equally. Yeah. Look at the Bible. He gives everybody a spiritual gift that's different. If you look at the parables, some got five, some got two, some got one talent. And there's no statement in there. Oh, well, how come I didn't get five? <laughs> all right. That person, because I got two and he got one. No, there's not that kind of an idea here. But in, in fact, just to interject there, there is there's actually the opposite where the parable of the uh, the workers yes. who start in the morning and the afternoon and the evening, evening yeah. and he pays them he pays them all and they start whining. He's like, "Well, I had a deal with you. That was your deal. Like, just chill." Well, and he didn't say it like the that. old and the new testament. If God is the ultimate parent and His word is you know His parenting handbook, then <laughs> He parented people in the Old Testament a little differently than He did in the New. You know. Right. My so I didn't interrupt you. Keep going. So I just my thought story in this is the one at the end of the Gospel of John, where Peter is uh, talking to Jesus, and Jesus is telling Peter how he's going to die. And Peter says, "What about him?" Pointing at John. But, yeah, right. <laughs> and Jesus says, "What is it to you if I let him remain until I come again?" Right. The point is, you worry about your relationship with me. Don't compare yourself to someone else. God is working with every one of us in a unique and special fashion. That's really what children want. They want to be treated uniquely and special. That's what we need to do to break down this competition and comparison that exists. So one of the things we can do here to break that down is not to try to be fair in the sense of equal. Fair means equal is a lie. It's not how life happens. And we no. want to make sure that children understand that because if you just focus on fairness, you're continually angry. Because oh, life yes. isn't fair. We got all these problems that come. So as parents, we have to strategically break down that uh, that misbelief that children often have. Remember, beliefs are inside of the heart, and it's yeah. out of the heart that comes these behaviors. So much of our work is changing what children believe. And we can do that in a relatively short period of time with many children. Our, our program only lasts eight weeks, our coaching program. Yeah. And, when, and we see major changes take place in the eight weeks. Sometimes my coaches say, uh, how long should we expect this to take change to take place? And my answer is, if you're not seeing change in week one, something's wrong. Something's either, wrong yeah. either you're not explaining it well, or or the parents are not explaining it to the children well, or something's going on here that uh, we need to address here. So we should see change pretty quickly when we're using a heart-based approach. Yeah, mm -hmm. amazing. That's amazing. So uh, again, just looking at the time here, have this thought about you've got this assessment. Um, that helps parents to dig a little bit deeper and to understand that trunk and not just see the fruit on the tree. And, uh, you know, I'm wondering about if you have any other practical insights that you can share about how parents can see and recognize and maybe, you know, quantify or address some of those unique individual differences in the child. And then, and then I love what you just said about, uh, and I jotted it down here. It's like, well, each child wants to feel unique and special. And just wondering about your insights on how to communicate that effectively to the child so that they do begin to shift that behavior. 
All right, let's uh, let's deal with your first question yeah. about this. Let's do some more assessment. You can use our assessment tool, but when a parent comes to us and says, I'm having trouble with my kids uh, or my child, he's angry or he's got, and so I say, okay, here's what we're gonna do for your child. And you have to have a different plan for every one of your kids. Yeah. God has a different plan for each one of us. He's moving us from point A to point B in the sanctification process. We're gonna create a point A and a point B for your child. So here's what you do. And we give them exact steps. I'm gonna I'm gonna refer to it another book here because this is our uh, action plan book that has 12 chapters in it that shows parents how to do exactly what I'm telling you to do. Number one, create a list of all the problems this child has. You never show this to the child, but it helps you focus on what the problems are. Then you can group those around different categories. How similar are these? And you end up finding well, you know, they all kind of fall into similar categories here. Yeah. Then we ask the question, and that in itself is encouraging. Instead of having 50 problems now, now we have four or five groups of problems. Mm -hmm. that we mm -hmm. Now we're going to choose a uh, heart quality or a character quality that we're going to work toward. And as we work toward that, we're going to see this point A problem decrease. If yeah. a child has a problem with anger, we're going to work on more emotional flexibility or we're going to work on self-control self or we're going to work on peace. Uh, we're going to work on giving up your agenda. Whatever we're going to work on here at point B is going to help point A reduce. If the problem is meanness and sarcasm and disrespect, then we're going to work on maybe honor. We're going to work on uh, love. We're going to work on treating people differently. Now, this one idea transforms the way parents think because now they're moving from stop it. I can't believe you're doing this and correction all the time. Now they're moving toward this goal of I'm gonna work towards something. It makes the parenting positive. You can then engage the, the child and the child may, hopefully, is going to embrace this new movement toward where they need to be. Parents then can use tools like coaching and teaching and training to move in a direction instead of just focusing on the correction they often use. So there's a very systematic way that we help parents address their children, but they have to do some work here to find out what unique qualities does god want to develop in their lives and then we develop a very unique and personalized plan so that's what our coaches do with individualized parents so that they and we say parents say well i got three kids i can't just deal with one i say no 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 we're going to deal with one child you choose whichever one you want we're yeah. going to about changing that one child's life because you can't treat them all the same that's let's right. work on one learn how to work with this one and then you'll take those same principles and go to child number two or child number three and bring about the same kind of heart training that needs to yeah. take place. Yeah, and it's the same principles, not the same plan. I really not want to emphasize plan. that because it's so right. it's so incredible what you're what you're sharing here. Mm -hmm. I I, uh, I remember one of our your your story reminds me of one of our children, um, very strong willed. He was child number five. <laughs> and you know so he's put he's put in the middle of these other strong-willed siblings and you know and he's down at the caboose of the time and he was just fit to be tied i mean he had so much energy he just wanted to be in charge of the leader and couldn't yeah <laughs> and uh, so margie came up with this marvelous idea it's like okay when he got to be how old was he five five or six six yeah Margie put him in charge of changing all the diapers of the younger children. So we had three in diapers at the time. So it was like, wow. so you, you, you got it. You got to figure out five or six. And he was in charge of laundry. Laundry, yeah. And, and so he got to tell everybody, bring me your laundry. And here's, you know, he was in charge of that and he loved it. He finally got to let his personality shine and it just greatly reduced a lot of the anger and the tension and the, 
the frustration that he was feeling inside because yeah, we no. treated him and we saw him as a unique individual, not just the herd. Yeah. You know, I love that. That's, that's so strengths, which are so valuable. Yeah. So valuable. Okay. Um, one, one last significant question here for you. I want to just kind of shift attention from the, you know, training the child to looking at your insights on training the parent. <laughs> so I do want to acknowledge here. I, Dr. Scott, I love your grace to parents. You know, I did not come into parenting with any kind of a manual or handbook. <laughs> um, I came from a, a fairly dysfunctional family. And so I had all kinds of weird ideas about lots of different stuff. And, uh, and I, I just, I needed a lot of grace because I made a lot of, I still make a lot of mistakes. Um, so I want to, I want to preface this next question with that is that man you know the lord's working with us too and he's patient with us and he compensates for a lot of stuff i mean christ's whole mission was to help that compensation process to sanctify us through his work because he knew we weren't going to be perfect we're going to mess we were going to mess this up at some point right that's right so um you know having a sense of how to train the parents and i just wonder what your insights are about how to how to help nurture them from that point A to point B so that they're willing to do the work with their child. They're willing to, you know, make the effort to make the plans, to individualize, to, you know, do some of these things that we've talked about, to look at the heart as opposed to just behavior sets. And what's your been your experience in working with so many parents through the years? Yeah, that's a good question. You know, there's some parents who who just aren't willing to change. Uh, sure. they, there's some parents who are just too busy. They don't have time to parent. There are other parents who, you know, they're doing all kinds of good things with their kids. And we, we affirm them. We say, you are doing a lot of good things. If this particular child needs some different good things, and we can <laughs> see what those different good things are, if you'd like. Right. <laughs> so the ones who are interested in growing and making some change are the ones that do the best in our programs. Sure. But we don't focus on the parent and say, here's how you can become a better parent. We don't do that. What we say is, let's focus on your child. Where does your child need to go? And we have a, in the coaching program, we have this, where do you want to go worksheet? Mm -hmm. The question we're asking is, what does God want this child to change in their hearts and lives? Now, as soon as we identify that quality or those qualities that that child needs to be more responsible or disciple of Christ, or more mature, whatever it might be, then parents are, we appeal to the fact that the parents love this child. If you love your child, you're going to want to do these things for this child. We don't tell the parent they have to change but the parent, <laughs> because they love their kids and they see the problem. And now they see the solution that needs to take place are willing to adjust the way they work with the child. They're, they're willing to um, change some of the formats or the techniques or the, even the, the big principles that this particular child needs. So when we introduce those things, it's for the child's benefit. And then after a little bit of time here, parents are often saying, wow, you know, I'm changing here. And we say, oh, that's great. Or, or more valuable is when parents say to us, I need this just as much as my kids do. These plans about anger management and about responsibility and obligation and procrastination, all those things that we teach. Parents are saying, I need this too. And we're saying, oh, really? Good. Really? Wow. <laughs> Family is this laboratory for growth. So let's all learn here and just share that with your kids. Hey, I'm learning this too. I'm learning how to manage my anger. We're, we're growing together. There's a humility we come to with our families that I think is strategic and important. 
awesome. I, I would say inspired, but maybe more so, or genius, but maybe more so inspired. I mean, mm -hmm. the a, a lot of times if we confront the the parent directly, you know, I, I mean, I felt this myself. I've seen behavior set in my children, looked in the mirror and I've been like, you're the problem, you need to change. And then immediately I feel a sense of pride and like arrogance, right? And be like, well, no, I don't need change. And, uh, and so I kind of bristle a little bit and then I got to humble myself and be like, oh yeah, okay, we're, <laughs> we're gonna work on this a little bit. And and I love, I love your approach. And I think what I would say to all of our listeners is that, you know what, number one, being kind and graceful and patient with yourself, the way Christ is with us is so important. Number two, I would say that as we shift the focus away from ourselves, I mean, Christ clearly, clearly taught that he that will lose himself shall find himself. And as we shift away from th this, you know, our world, our world tends to be this uh, obsessive, self-indulgent environment where it's like, you know, it's all about me and it's about how I'm feeling. And it's about, you know, so many people wake up in the day and they're like, you know, do I feel good enough to do go to work or to be nice to my kids or do this? And and, and Margie and I have often said, well, it's not really about you. And <laughs> I, I know as a simple example on this, uh, years and years ago when I started in my career as a freelance copywriter, um, you know, I was just terrified because I was I didn't have experience, and I didn't have clients, and I didn't have any branding, no recognition. I had all these deficits, and while I focused on those deficits and on myself. I had a lot of problems getting clients. And when I shifted that and said, okay, actually the system I'm using is proven. I'm just gonna put trust in that system and then I'm gonna be okay and I'm gonna focus on the clients. Like what do they need and how can I serve them? And then I couldn't stop clients from coming. Yes. And I see what you're doing with this, you know, Scott, and it's your, you're making that same shift in the parents' minds. Like let's, let's stop thinking about ourselves. Let's think about our children. And we will grow in the process. We'll find ourselves in that in that loss of self. Yes, I just think that uh, I just love what I do. I just got to tell you, this is so fun for me. I I not only train coaches, but I have my own coaches, yeah. uh, my own clients, my own clients that I uh, take on myself, and uh, I just love it. I just love being a part of families' lives. I I tell my wife now, week one's always the scariest for me and with my <laughs> clients because you hear all of the problems in this family. You're going, oh no, God, what are you going to do here? Right. <laughs> my coaches often, uh, when they are done with week one, they say, I think I'm way over my head, and I say to them, that's how I feel every time we're in week one. Yeah. When I hear these things about a family, I'm way over my head. This isn't about me. I'm not the hero in this story. God's exactly. the hero. The family's the hero. And just give them the truth and watch God's God work. Week two is my favorite week in the whole eight-week program because in week two, we hear this um, these amazing changes that are starting to take place in this family. It's just even just a little bit of change seems like a miracle in the lives of some of these families. When I was... Um, when I just got married, which was 45 years ago, my wife and I got married, yeah. we were uh, we were guided or counseled to not get a TV for our first year. So we didn't get a TV. And after that, we decided, you know what? We're having so much fun. We're not going to get a TV ever. So ever, yeah. <laughs> we uh, we lived, raised all our children and, and without a TV. And, uh, you know, there's this reality TV that's on on TV now, but I don't need to watch that. If I want to change the channel, I just take on another client. Because <laughs> I see God's grace working 
firsthand in, in yeah. the lives of people. I feel like I'm I'm sitting at the Sea of Galilee while the disciples are passing out the bread. Or maybe I feel like I'm a disciple there. Well, because it's not about me. It's about that guy behind me there, Jesus Christ. He's making the changes here. He's doing the miracle. I just get to hand out the bread. And yeah. so it's so exciting to watch families change. And the coaches just get so excited in the training. They can hardly wait to get out there and, and influence more families. One family at a time, we're going to help them understand these biblical principles and see changes take place in even the most difficult children. I love it. So, so wonderful. Beautiful. What a great work you're doing. <laughs> it's awesome. It's amazing. And what a great work God's doing through you is mm -hmm. a better way to say that. Yes, that's right. So um, I, I think we're kind of at the end of our interview this time, and maybe we have a, a follow-up some point, but <laughs> I would love to direct our, our, our audience, our uh, online family to more of your stuff. So I know that they can go to Biblical Parenting, I think it's .org or .com. I'm sorry, I don't remember off the top of my head. I own both of them. They both are biblicalparenting.org. Okay. So I'd start there because that's our main one. We have seven websites, but let's just start yeah. there because that'll direct okay. you to other ones. Okay. You go to biblicalparenting.org, you can sign up for free email parenting tips. You can get those right away. I have a new ebook that's out. You can yeah, find Tell us about the ebook because I was so impressed by the ebooks. Share with us a little bit about that. All right, this is a, an ebook uh, that's entitled this, Equipping Children to Self-Regulate Emotions. So mm -hmm. in, in this ebook, which is free right now, yeah. you can download it from my website and, uh, and you can get some insight into what this looks like to understand what the heart is, what emotions are all about, and then some practical ideas of moving in some directions to help children self-regulate their emotions. There's a lot, of, a lot of misunderstanding about this issue, and so we bring several principles into this picture that helps parents strategically to be able to address this. All the things that we've talked about today, you can find at biblicalparenting.org and search there, especially look at the, if, if you want to find things fast on my website, go down to the site map at the bottom. That's, at the bottom, yeah. Cool. Yeah, that's what I put there for myself. So I can say, oh, yeah, there's <laughs> 500 pages in this website. So I can go down to the bottom and find the heart work material or find the child behavior inventory or find the coaching program. It's all there at the bottom. And that'll take you to links to the other websites or even on that website to find what you want. Awesome. I love it. Wow. So we, for anyone listening, we strongly, exclamation point, underscore, bold caps, strongly <laughs> encourage go to this biblicalparenting.org and start by downloading the book right grab the ebook it's free like scott said and grab that and then start immersing yourself in this because you know what i'm what i'm hearing is is you know if margie and i and this will sound braggadocious but if margie and i who have been tutored and mentored by the lord uh, for our 28 years of marriage and raising our 11 children have gleaned enormous amount of wisdom from scott it's probable that everybody could. And so we really encourage you to go and check it out and, and dive into it and see how the Lord can bless you and your family and your children through this process and the structure that Scott has put together. So Scott, what a joy this has been. Thank you for your insights, your generosity of your time and your, and your wisdom. We really, really appreciate it. And how grateful we are to God for inspiring you so many years ago in Hawaii to work with those kids and pull those two other experts together and start down this journey down it, yeah. and for the courage of being faithful through it for 45 plus years of your life. It's just incredible. Thank you so much. We really appreciate it. Well, thank you, Josh and Margie. I just appreciate your ministry and uh, I just wish you the best as you bless families. It's been a fun interview for me. Just I get excited. About it. uh, I'm grateful for what you're doing as well. So great. All right. Take care. And we'll talk to you again another Thank time. You. All right. God bless you guys. God bless. Yeah, okay. Bye, -bye. bye now.